As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. And welcome back to Beyond, Beyond the Void. Horror Podcast. That's right, it's episode 291, and we just got a fancy new goddamn suit for our fucking podcast. Yeah. As you just heard. It's good. It's fucking great. I miss Nitro Noise. We got a new song, guys, for the podcast, because we felt like we needed kind of a makeover, you know? Mama needed to go down, get her nails done. <laughs> <laughs> Get some flowers for get, herself, you get know. Get her hair did. Get her hair did. Get her butt did, you know. Whatever. Ew, uh, whatever it takes. But yeah. So Christian from Nitro Noise is actually the guy who created the music for that. He did three different versions. He did one that was completely different than all of those. Did one without drums, and then he spent a week making sure that the drums and everything and sizing it up and everything fit perfectly. If you guys haven't listened to Nitro Noise, when I used to do Black Ops, these were our brothers. They were the same. They were coming up at the same time in the same label on, you know, at the same time we were. Mm-hmm. We were both doing pretty fucking good, I would say. I would uh, say we were too. one of the two, two newer bands at the same time that were coming up, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all got to tour and travel and we got to came across each other. So I fucking love Christian. Love Nitro Noise. I do too. He's doing a new side project too for himself. And it's not, well, it's music related, but it's not like... A band? No, it's not a band. Yeah, like he is doing his original soundtrack work, so he's been doing that. He said this is his first song that he's actually done that he's like super proud of, so I really liked it. Oh, that's nice. I'm really glad that I could tap, make him do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you can tell he took his time. Right. (laughs) But yeah, he does a website called Tone Pusher. So if you are a musician maker and you use like Cubase or, you know, like all these different VST programs that you can add different sounds, he's got people that he's collaborated with to do their like their kits, like their drum kits and shit like that. He has We Are Magonia and Shredder1984 who have kits on and samples and drum samples and things like that on here that you can use and they're, you know, free to use, Basically, it's really affordable fucking uh, kits and stuff that you can use to kind of get inspiration and write music. So I he did this as a favor for me and I'm doing this as a favor for him. If you have any interest in synth wave, dark synth, industrial, German industrial, any kind of synth, cyber tones, doom, all of that. He's got 
literally all kinds of stuff that you can use to kind of get some creative stuff going. It's at tonepusher.com. I'm probably going to be repping this shit for a while because I love the song so much. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are considering writing music, definitely support tonepusher.com and uh, get some cheap shit there. They're, they're seriously really affordable, really cheap, and they're great quality since he's a, an amazing engineer. Mm -hmm. Like he really is. Right. So um, I've known Christian for God now, what, 12 years, I guess now? Long time. Yeah. So thank you very much, Christian, by the way. You rock, dude. Thank you for kicking it out of the park and not just dialing it in. Like you really put yourself into it. And I really appreciate it. So I added some things, you know, I added like my voice <laughs> in the beginning, you know. So it's kind of a, well, I just like saying that because it's kind of like we've collaborated on songs before. Right. And I'll put some links in the in the episode for you guys to, to check, check out, out some of their stuff as well as the stuff that we've worked on together and uh, you know, just so you have a, like all that. And I'll put a tone pusher link down there below so you can check it out. But yeah, your uh, old host here used to be a fucking rock legend, okay? <laughs> I used to get so much fucking uh nerd Poon? I'm scared. No, you did it. <laughs> hey, man, I was feeling pretty good back then, and I, I had a lot of fun. Right. It took me to Europe. Yep. That's how, uh, you know, my band took me to Europe. That's yep. more than most bands can say, that's for sure. You totally. Oh, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we got to tour. We got to do a bunch of stuff. And Christian's still fucking making do with his talents, which I'm pretty happy about. He's done really good with that tone pusher thing. Mm -hmm. Like, he really has. Because he's good at it. He's like, I think he quit his job and shit. Like, he's like. That's great. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. I, I, would, I wish I could do something like that. You know what I mean? But no, I do this podcast for you guys to so just know that I gave up all of my freedom and <laughs> happiness for you. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we actually are picked out a couple of new movies that we're going to be talking about. It is Men, which just came out this year, which is an art house film. We also have another sort of art house film from one of the greats, David Cronenberg, called Crimes of the Future as well. So we're going to be talking about those today in depth. Uh, Christina actually, uh, for the first time, really dug into the Not trivia. The first time. I mean, you really did dig into this it's this time. It's maybe been a year <laughs> since I've dug into it. Well, I mean, anything. considering that I always do all the trivia, I mean, that's pretty cool. I guess. It's not about me taking a break. It's just that it makes me happy that you're interested. Okay. That's all. Yeah. And it means you better do good or I'm going to fucking. No, or <laughs> I had time. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, what, you know, it just takes a lot of pressure off me because I doing a trivia for two movies can be kind of heavy. Uh -huh. You know, it's like four or five hours at least of work, you know, mm -hmm. just looking up shit. But if not more, because if it's like these movies, oh, my God, we're, we have like theories about what these movies were. And then we went to the creators and we got our dreams shot down <laughs> in some of the things that we were thinking about. It's just crazy, you know, like, I think that's why a lot of artists prefer not to tell people what their songs or their movies are about is because they don't want to crush dreams. Right. You know, oftentimes we create some of those, some most elaborate shit in our brains, but <laughs> they're like, yeah, I just meant like kitchens aren't the best place to be in. They're some of the most dangerous places. Or it's the, and you're like, the oh, tooth fairy. I thought you were saying that women shouldn't have to cook again and that, you know, Jesus Christ was a fucking cake maker and... Uh, <laughs> You know, something crazy, you know, like, what did you say? Or the tooth fairy. Or the tooth fairy. I don't know why that relates. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Maybe you can elaborate on that for me, Christina. 
I forgot somebody like did a song and everyone thought it meant something and he was like, oh no, it's about the tooth fairy. I We need to thank everyone who sent us movies. Oh this my week. God. Jesus Christ. We're not going to we- say what movies they are. No. Because I got a video that I'm going to be doing. Right. But yes, um, Plemke, who normally gives us movies like every month, like literally without fail, always providing for the podcast, the YouTube and everything. Thank you so much. We have a new listener who's been around for months now, actually. He's not so new, <laughs> but uh, he and his boyfriend are actually like, you know, well, they don't, I don't know if they both listen, but I think he does like both of them do listen. But... Oh, when he like makes them. Yeah. <laughs> he like forces them. Well, they don't like. To, like when I make you watch Real Housewives. Kind like... of. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. But yeah, Ryan actually is one of our other listeners who uh, actually comes to the streams as well, like Plemke does. And we also had, um, I want to thank, of course, Slade as well, who delivered uh, some movies to us. Like for the past two weeks, we're spoiled. I really like I'm just like, like, Jesus Christ, you guys. So like what I'm doing is trying to do reviews of them. So we're trying to incorporate them in the podcast or on the YouTube or wherever we can put them, you know, uh, to talk about them. So if you guys ever want to send us stuff, we have an Amazon link that's on our website. You can. Look up stuff in there that you think you would like us to review. If it's not on there, we can put it on there, like whatever you want. Or if you have some and you just want to send it to us, let me know. I'll figure out a way. We'll get a we'll get you an address or something. Thank you, Ryan Plemke and, uh, of course, Slade and even uh, MVD Entertainment who sent me out. God told me to. Oh, that's right. So it's like, fuck. <laughs> I got a whole you. fucking like video haul like that I can do now for everybody. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting. There's some good stuff in there. So I hope you guys check out that video. A lot of people like those videos, actually, because it's like more personal. Right. And we get to talk about all kinds of stuff. It's like kind of a quick little thing about each movie. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, thank you guys. You guys are the best. You help keep this podcast going and not just because we have movies, but because you make us feel special (laughs) and it makes us feel like we are doing the right thing. So thank you for that. And everybody that listens, everybody that supports us, you guys, thank you. Anybody that shares this, by the way, wink, wink, nod, wink, flash my dick. (laughs) Anyway, I think it might be that time. Oh, what time is it? Horse shots. All right, Christina came up with a pretty good idea, and then I kind of closed it in. you ruined it. (laughs) Ruined it? Like you always do. I just have to, like, I I have a better memory of what has been done on this podcast, so Mm -hmm. I kind of, like, do the the signature, so to speak, on all the ideas. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like, we've already used 99. We use 99 in every single shot. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, but we didn't in this one. No, we did not. Ha. Because of you. Suck it. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. It was because of me. As a matter of fact. <laughs> anyway, we decided to go with the movie Men because, I don't know, they're badass. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we decided. Uh, no. We, <laughs> no, no, We just no, no. decided to pick men. I don't even know why. It was Christina's idea. She wanted to do men. And in the movie, they have like a scene where she bites into an apple. It's very metaphorical. Obviously, you might know what that is. I don't know. Adam and Eve. <laughs> but it's kind of to throw you off. We'll talk about that later. And in the movie, they they often flash images of what we're calling this shot, the green man. What's in a green man? Well, it's it's a little bit of green. Uh, We actually put in some apple pucker. We put in some blue raspberry vodka. Oh, 
and we put a, you know, a, these are three parts, three thirds, like a third of each and a third of vodka. So this one's going to pack a punch. Oh, God. Yeah, this is pretty strong. All right, let's go. Ooh, it's strong, but That's strong. it's good. It's like blue raspberry and apple pucker are my two favorite. That'll sip. Oh, God, I want to give birth to a, a sloppy shit. <laughs> Another man. <laughs> uh, well, if you only knew what we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's not too bad. It's not the greatest shot, but you know, it's strong. So for one, you're going to have that kick in the back. If it's just pure alcohol, which it is, you know what I mean? So, but if you would like to try a green man, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section. Now that's it for horror shots. All right. So now we're going to go and do our flash. Christina, what are you looking at me for? I don't know. You're like, you're trying to say something and I'm like. I was reading my paper. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and do our flesh and potatoes of two reviews, one for men that just came out this year and... Crimes of the future. That came out this year, too. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. All right, Christina, do your thing. Okay, the movie's Men. It's from 2022. In case you forgot. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) What the hell accent was that? It's the country accent from uh, England. It's horrible. I got to tell you, I I listened to the Bloody Good Film podcast talk about this movie. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to. I wanted to. uh, Josh did his, his synopsis. And they, he was reading it over, um, it's raining men. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys should go check out that episode if you, know, you can. Anyway, this is written, directed by Alex Garland, Ex Machina for 2015. Um, he did Annihilation, which is a great movie. He was well, a writer. Well, we didn't like it at first, but it's grown right. on us. Yeah, it really has, except the ending. But anyway, he was a, uh, he also, you know, he's a writer. He wrote The Beach. From, the novel, actually. Yeah, it was crazy. And 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. Sunshine, I remember that being a good movie, uh, Never Let Me Go from 2011 and Dread from 2012. Yeah. All right, starring Je- uh, Jesse Buckley, who plays Harper. She was in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. The Netflix movie yeah. or show. Yeah, Sorry. that came out during the pandemic. Right, that's right. It was one of the first ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along with Tiger King. Didn't that one in uh, the, the Elijah Wood one come oh, out? Oh, didn't he produce it or something? I don't remember. Something about him. Anyway. I don't remember either. She was also in Judy from 2019, that uh, show from, or that movie about Julie Garland. Mm-hmm. And then she's also been in the TV shows Chernobyl and Fargo. Wow. Two uh, places. Yep. <laughs> that are completely different. Yeah. She'll <laughs> um, be in Phoenix next year. <laughs> the movie. Uh, R- Rory Michael uh, Ke- Kinnear. Kinnear. Plays Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey. Uh, he was in Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectrum. Penny Dreadful. Yeah, yeah and he was in a Penny Dreadful show. 
He's a big established uh, actor. Yeah, he's like a really big character actor. Yeah, he's good. Obviously. Oh my God, he's so good in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Uh, we have Papa Essidu, who plays James, the husband. Mm. Uh, he was in I May Destroy You and Gangs of London and Press from 2018. Okay. And then we also have uh, Gail Rankin, who plays Riley. Uh, she was in The Greatest Show. like a tongue twister for you. <laughs> we only had to do that one time, by the way, guys. <laughs> Shut up. She was in The Greatest Showman. Uh, she was also on Glow and... The Meyerowitz stories? Yeah, that. that. Uh, the box office. The box office has made $10 million so far. That's pretty good. Not bad for the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And what well, That was pretty far back when we weren't really doing that many movies. It was like right at the cusp of when we were doing movies on demand only for the while. And then... I thought this just came out in like June. No, it's been out in the theaters. That's what yeah. I, it came out in the theaters before it came out on VOD. Because now mm-hmm. everything goes straight to the theater again. Right. Whereas we were kind of in the middle. We were doing both a lot. Now we're back to normal. Yeah, pretty much for the most part. What did you think of this movie, Alex? Well, I actually have a lot of thoughts about this movie. At first, I wasn't really fond of it. Honestly, I really was kind of like, eh. But the pacing's actually not that bad for like a slow burn film. It's actually a faster paced movie than I thought it was going to be. I have to say, while the movie isn't exactly my thing, there are enough scares and moments in this film and scenes that make you feel like something, you know, like it's a slow burn, but it wasn't that slow. It's halfway through the movie. It just sort of kind of like reveals its hand and kind of takes off, Mm -hmm. which I loved. And then it takes you for a far weirder direction than you were ever expecting after that in some pretty awesome ways. Like I jokingly told people before this movie came out on my social media, I was like, oh, here we go. There's going to be some fucking chucklehead who has to fucking say, oh, I'm not going to see that movie about men because it's definitely going to point out things that make me fucking insecure and I can't (laughs) handle it. You know what I mean? Right. So one of those like bitch channels where they just bitch about everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) oh, shoving woke down my throat. Like, (laughs) like as if fucking politics never existed in fucking horror. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just I'm just being silly. I really don't care that much, but it does get under my skin. <laughs> but uh it's funny because even though I made that joke, you know, ultimately it's a much bigger movie than that. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's a lot more going on than what it's essentially trying to say. Like and I don't want to get too specific because I want you to enjoy the movie because part of the fun I think I had was knowing not knowing where it was going to go. You know what I mean? Right. And so just know this I expected it to be far worse, and I feel like they were kind of using buzzwords to kind of push this movie a little bit because it turned out to sense. be a little bit more than than just that. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. But the movie has some really seriously great cinematography, lighting, acting. You know, it's fucking Alex Garland. It's written well, and the performances and scenes are genuinely disturbing or creepy to me. Like, I found, like, some scenes, like, where they were using lights and shit in it that were fucking creepy and just like these moments of like sporadic like fucking things happening that just added to this atmosphere that he was creating for this movie and i thought it did he really did a good job they do some pretty wild gross disturbing uh, you know out there kind of shit towards the end too and it's pretty there's a pretty gnarly gore scene in this movie that the continues to impress you as you continue to watch <laughs> like it's like it's like one gag that's dragged over like the rest of the movie. Right. One gore scene that is just like, wow, holy shit. 
And you think about like all his previous movies and where all the fucking CGI went. Well, there you go. Cause mm-hmm. there's no way that they, well, it's not all CGI. There was some practical in there. Right. I think it's a little bit of both actually, but I don't know. This movie is actually pretty good. It's a, is it a perfect metaphor for whatever the fuck Alex Garland was trying to say? No, but it's actually a pretty damn entertaining film. I think it's definitely more entertaining and different though from Garland. So like if you've seen like Ex Machina or Annihilation, this isn't going to be that sci-fi crazy movie that you would expect. You know, it's not going to be some action drama sort of, you know, Annihilation fucking deep thought metaphysical body fucking shit like that. But it does have some uh, other meanings to it. It's a little bit more grounded in like regular world you know there's no real exactly it's kind of weird it's really it's very different from his other stuff but i still liked it i did i like it more than the other films no Mm -hmm. i think i like the other films better but i still appreciate that he did this he went outside of his box to do something different and i think it should get some credit keep in mind he's not just a director as we mentioned you know he's written a lot of really good stuff you know he's even done the devil may cry series for the video games uh, that we didn't mention. He did a book called The Tesseract, which is a novel. Uh, we did mention the Beach novel, which he that got turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. He even has like help trying to write Halo, the feature movie that they were going to do, that Steven Spielberg then took and turned it into whatever, and then 50 other people turned it into whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, which, you know, half and half everybody likes or dislikes that. But, you know, it's just interesting that he, uh, he has a pretty wide talent i think in writing and direction and you know he's more of a writer technically than he is a director but you can tell that he has the chops to be able to do some of this fucking shit you know Mm -hmm. because the acting in it is usually pretty superior and some of the shots that they make whether they be the you know his help on his assistant directors or whatever he knows the right people to fucking make it happen so but i don't know even if this one ends up being a little bit more, a little more normal, and I say normal, that's kind of ridiculous because the way this movie ends is fucking bizarre, like fucking bizarre and graphic and disgusting. So, but I just think it's a little bit more normal compared to his other movies. So if that's saying anything, <laughs> give it a watch anyway. It may change your mind if you you had qualms with the name, perhaps, you know, like some people did. Or you were just like, I'm not in the mood for that kind of movie. Give it a chance anyway, because I think it'll change your mind by the end of the movie. And, uh, you know, especially for that fucking end, man. God damn. That was some fucking wild shit, Oh, my dude. God. It was so good. There was there. Were, it, it just really was fucking kind of cool and memorable. And that's one thing that you can say about this film is that even if you didn't love it, you're always going to remember this movie. Mm-hmm. because this shit that they put in this movie is pretty right. cool. I would actually give this a 7 or 7.5, mm-hmm. and I would like to watch it again, and I could probably watch it again and have no issue because there's that whole cat and mouse game going on in that movie, and then it turns into a metaphor. Um, we, personally, are fans of the movie Mother, so if you like the movie Mother, yeah. it has a lot of that kind of feel to it. Maybe not as spastic as Mother, but very familiar yeah. kind of feel this to it. This is a good double feature with that. Very earthy, grounded feel with like the wild, crazy shit going on. So like iconography and things like that in the movie. So Christina, though, what did you think? Oh, well, at first I didn't even want to watch this movie. The trailer was cool, but I kept saying like, whatever, I'll pass. You I remember you were going to do it, like a YouTube review on it. I was like, okay, whatever. Just watch it without me. I don't need to see this movie. Well, we couldn't go to the theater know? to see it. So. Right. And it was a lot of money, but whatever. 
But yeah, this movie was absolutely not what I was expecting at all. Like in a good way. Yes. Okay. But I think it's because of those buzzwords that you were saying. I think that's right. what like made me not want to watch. You know the movie charged you up in the wrong. Yeah, way. and it was completely different from what I was expecting. Right. The performances were so good. Like, the, oh my god, it was so amazing. And like you said, it was uh, beautifully shot. I've never seen anything like this before, honestly. There, I won't spoil anything. There, but you were like saying there, there was a scene with a hand, which was like completely brutal. Oh my god! Yeah, and of course, there were some really cool ideas in this movie. Like, yeah, but I gotta say, some of the CGI was spotty, but I think it was supposed to be creepy. Yeah, I think it could get away with it with the tone of the movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do think people are overanalyzing this movie a little bit. What'd they say? Oh, I don't want to spoil anything, but that you know, it was just what they thought the movie was about. Oh, maybe I did and, see that. Yeah, and I, I'm like, people are, are just like getting way too deep into it, and I don't think this movie is that deep. I don't think it's wrong that people are getting too deep in it, but getting angrily deep about it is kind of an odd thing. Yeah. Like, what if you're wrong? Like, you think you know what this movie is, but then we find out what it really is. Right. But honestly, I didn't understand, like, the ending and stuff until... We looked it up. I looked it up. Yeah. And I, I wanted to see what the director meant. And mm. then it all made sense to me. Right. Because, you know, I didn't get it, like, completely at first. But now, like, I totally get it. It makes complete sense. Speaking of which, there is a lot of obligatory shit in this movie to throw you off the trail. That too, which yeah. doesn't help. And I understand why people are getting all cranky danky with it, but I don't think I, it's wrong. I, I think that's how no, some yeah, directors how, do it. Cronenberg does it. Yeah, they just do it on purpose. And it is a really it, there's a style to this movie. This guy has a sure. style. So, An but aesthetic. not every fucking little thing means something. Like right, it's just supposed to be pretty. But anyway, <laughs> unlike Peel, which actually Peel. Jordan Peele mm-hmm. does a lot. Yeah, he does too. He has exactly. a lot of deep meanings in all of his stuff. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you know who he reminds me of is who's the, the Shining? Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. He feels like he's got like a little Stanley Kubrick with like Hitchcock in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good good way. But I gave it okay. I gave it an eight out of ten, and I'm planning on pre-ordering this. It's mm, on blue. Cool. It's coming out on Blu-ray. I thought there was a 4K, but I couldn't. I was looking through Dawn of the Discs and I couldn't find it. But I do know it's on pre pre-order for Blu-ray. It's twenty four ninety nine on Amazon. It comes out August night. Yeah. You looked for a 4K though. I did. Damn. But they didn't have it on Amazon. But I could have sworn it was announced. I just couldn't find. We'll look for it. The post from Dawn. We'll of look Discs. for it. It might be in another country. 4Ks, by the way, for the most part, like ninety nine point nine percent of them probably, are region free. So okay. you can buy them anywhere as long as they have English speaking. So it's probably just the another country. Or right. Something. So cool. Okay. That's anyway. cool because like I actually was like you know struggling. I'm like I feel like a seven point five on this movie, but it could go up. Like I feel like if I watched it again. Yeah, I do too. Because it was so original and so memorable like it could go up yeah i could watch this a few more times and probably pick up a little bit more yeah and it's not just the originality i mean it's just the things that they did in it those those snack treats that were in there 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 was enough they were so cool that it made the movie a better experience also i didn't mention too because it was a little bit slow right it was a little bit slow paced in the beginning and i didn't mind it on this one you started to roll your eyes in the beginning and then you started going like okay wait what's that why is there a nude dude right there (laughs) well yeah (laughs) 
if there's any dick, you yeah, know? she gets excited I, about dick. I immediately, dick. like, pay attention. Except for the next movie, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a genuine laugh, like a real laugh. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, there you go, guys. What did you give it? What is the score? Eight. Eight? You gave it an eight? Yes. Holy shit. And you didn't even want to watch this movie. I didn't even want to watch this fucking movie. Well, we're definitely going to have to watch it again by the end of the year. So then we'll watch it again then. Just the year to give it a fair shot, because it could be an eight for me, too. Right. I'm, I'm like kind of like on the cusp there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's definitely quality wise. It's it's good. And the snack treats are there. I just feel like it wasn't like the metaphors and everything just didn't really attract me. To be honest, if I didn't read, like if I didn't read what it was about, it probably would have been a lower score for me. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, is that fair though? In, in a score though, is to change your mind because you find out what it's supposed to be about? Well, or? Why? I, I looked it up immediately afterwards. I mean. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, you know. You know what? Sometimes we don't my fucking brain. Lolly. Sometimes my brain takes a little bit to process. Of course. So. You need to sit down and think about movies, I think, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do whenever I get but out of the theater. Sometimes or, you need to Google to figure it out. And that's what I did. And I love it now. It's more about organizing your thoughts, I think. Oh, just, okay. Just, that's what I think of it is. Okay. You know. But anyway, yeah. So there you go. 7.75 between the two of us. So that's a pretty good movie to watch. That's a, That means it could be really good for some of you. And it could be just okay for some of you. But it's going to be better than average for sure 100 uh, between the two of us so i'm happy to hear that i'm actually really happy to hear that i had no idea you were going to give it an eight yep that blew me away right there yep. so um we do uh, have some trivia on this movie and christina is going to kind of break down what some of the thoughts about it were we're probably going to talk about what our initial thoughts were about the movie and our sort of theories about what was going on and then we'll jump into what it actually is about and some of that trivia is that does that sound good to you yeah Okay, so obviously you don't want to spoil this movie and you haven't seen it yet. It's out for $20 right now. I'm sure it'll flip over to about 6 bucks. But if you do want to check it out, you can just get it for $20 and buy it. It's uh, I don't even think it's available for rent anymore, but it's $20. Bucks. Uh, I don't think you, you can rent it, but it's going to be the same price. You might as well just buy it, I guess. It'll be for rent soon for cheaper, so just keep an eye out. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. Right off the bat, let's talk about one of the very first things that we see in the entire movie. What was it? She's driving down the road or something like that, right? It, what? She pulls up to the... Manor? The, yeah, the Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it Airbnb? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But she eats an apple. Yeah, that she pulls off when she first gets there. She doesn't even, like, check in. It was weird. Anyway. But we were, like, immediately, I was like, okay, Adam and Eve. Yeah, of course, because like, it was stupid. They're really pushing it on the heavy on the Yeah, especially like right men. off the bat. And then I don't think it had anything to do with the rest of the movie. Right. But I'm just saying like this is our initial thoughts. So we're just trying to piece that together. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, because Jeffrey, when she goes in and meets Jeffrey, then he mentions the apple and all this stupid bullshit. Yeah. He said, oh, you don't do that. That's that's a no, no there. Right. And he's like, I'm kidding. Of course. You know, he's like, yeah, obviously, it would probably just fall on the ground and hornets would probably start appearing everywhere if you hadn't eaten. Right. And then it's like kind of like that give and take where it makes the viewer feel comfortable after not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And they do that a lot in this movie, but he's doing it in a way that is like, okay, that's not very courteous to a woman or, you know, to a person you've just met. 
you don't delve into their personal life like he kind of right does. off the bat. Yeah, especially like, when she's paying him to be there. Right. He's yeah. nice about it, and he takes her bags up, and he's like begrudgingly taking her bags up, which right. She's like, "Do you need help?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm fine." Right, and then we find out that her husband committed suicide. Well, we don't know for after, sure, but he died. Well, right then, in the beginning of the movie, we know he committed suicide. But then later on, like when she goes and talks to the priest, then you find out, oh, it might have been an accident. Right. Which I think it was. I don't know. I got a little confused because there. after, so they got into, well, she said she wanted a divorce. They got into an argument. He hit her. Right. He also told her he he would commit suicide if she tried to divorce him. Right. This is that, the first vision you're talking about. The first throwback. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. There were so many. Yeah, because she paused to... right there in that moment after he left. And she looked at the table and thought of him mm-hmm. and instantly went to that memory right. of him and her arguing. And she was leaving him. And he's like, I'll kill myself then. Right. And then, like, she's like, what? No, you can't say that to me. You can't say that to me. So pretty much she went through this huge trauma. So now she's going to, she's going by herself to the countryside to deal with the trauma because it's something also her therapist told her to do. Right. Did right? they show in that throwback scene, though, him punch her and stuff? Yeah. No, not that one. It was like another one. Later oh, was it on. later? Okay. They, they showed her. She had a bloody nose, but you don't didn't know how. Dude, she he got like it, but you punched know. her like fucking hard. Yeah, he did, and that's when like she started yelling at him, and she pushed him out, and that's when he went up. He allegedly like went upstairs and pushed into the other. Dude, apartment. there's some pr- fucking gnarly gore in this movie. Yeah, there really is. But anyway, she's at the. She goes to the countryside, and she's there to deal with her trauma. Mm. So. And then, of course, then we find out every interaction she has with every male there, it's the same person. Right. Which is where I started going, oh, I get it. Every guy's the same. And I don't think that's correct at all. Right. It wasn't. Because that's obviously later on, there's a lot more that happens. And it's But they're pushing that button hard. Yeah, they really are. Like Alex has written it that way just to fuck with everybody. Right. To kind of use their pre- pre-thoughts like and their ideologies against them right. in some way which is you know annoying but also kind of genius in a way i guess is about her trauma and she goes yeah. to this place and she awakens the green man well we don't really know that that's yet so yeah she sees a lot of guys that are all this one jeffrey guy only everybody is exact same face as him and like it starts to feel like it's just him in the town because of this because she goes down to the local bar and everybody's there, including Jeffrey. The bartender looks like her, him, which she doesn't notice. The two guys, the two punk kids that are sitting, the like stay there all day guys that have been drinking since like 10 a.m. are there, you know, drinking. And yeah, it's just weird. Like you didn't even notice at first. At this I, point did, in time. I did. I think when she was at the church and it was with the kid and the kid looked all weird. He looked like a fucking what we do in the shadow shit. Uh, oh, that's right. Colin. Yeah. He looked like Colin <laughs> he does look as like, a kid. It looked yeah. like Colin as a kid from what we do. I just call him the boy. <laughs> He's not as boring as the other one. But yeah, I didn't even get, I didn't get, it was the same person until you said something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew immediately when I saw the little boy at the church because I right. was like, come on. That's really, it was kind of shitty CGI right there, to be honest with you. On purpose, though. Like, but, you know, they're trying to fix his head onto their head, and it's kind of not an easy process. 
But I mean, I feel like they should have just erased his head and did the background. And then, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like they just kind of put it on top of the child's face, which kind of made it problematic Mm -hmm. proportionately, you know. Like they should well, they, have shrank his face down a little bit more. Well, he was wearing that mask, that plastic, that plastic mask. Yeah, which saved was. him a lot of time. And that was actually supposed to mean uh, there was a lack of women in the village, and that these men, these all the same men, were like obsessed with feminality. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, okay. This movie cleverly forces you to think one thing half of the movie. And then the other half of the movie does something completely different. And then you're like, what the fuck is going on? So in the church, though, did you notice that um, they had the green man face, which is something we didn't really we knew what it was like. It's familiar. You've seen it. You've seen it on like the beers that they have. Like I've seen it. (laughs) I've seen it everywhere. Like it's an old like Midsommar type thing. Right. Where they fucking have the green man. You know, it's like a. Yeah, it's one of those fucking culty it's a, fucking. <laughs> it's it's probably one of the oldest like deities that right. was has been around like forever, and every single religion has used it. Right for pagans, yeah, and... whatever. Like oh, and uh, the Sheila Nagig, the with the boobs and the, the oh vagina, the girl's vagina, yeah, is on that podium too. It's like look inside me, and she's the. Uh, it's like that's the world's first. Uh, you know real look into the cavernous uh that's porn it was but it's on a statue so i guess you know it's uh she's the irish symbol for fertility yeah because it's in the church they got the green man on one side and then the woman with the spread stuff i thought when they showed that podium with the green man i thought the village was going to be some sort of cult right because i hadn't come to terms with all these men are the exact same so i was like this is a cult movie and they're going to try to impregnate her he probably did that intentionally as well but it also means rebirth yeah exactly which green Green man Man is all about rebirth uh yeah. And we see the Green Man in many different things. Like there's in the trees. They have symbols all over the movie. Well, he's Green the man. guy. The Green Man is in the movie. He's the homeless guy. Well, is that what he said? Is that what Alex Garland said? No. Or- well, remember at the end when the homeless guy started growing leaves and shit out of his face? Right. No. <laughs> I think he was just a part. I don't know. I don't know that it, it kind of be- makes it seem like he is in a way, but I don't know if it was in. It was definitely him. I think it was definitely him because she awakened him in the tunnel. Okay. Because we did watch that one review where the girl was saying similar things to that, but I didn't I didn't read about it. You did. Because, so. Well, yeah. Well, the green man, like you said, it's rebirth. It represents rebirth, and it's the cycle of new growth because it is a pagan spring god right. in particular. And Midsommar. she was there in the spring, and she's trying to get past her trauma. Right. <laughs> the green man has nothing to do with that in this movie. Right. It, he he is strictly rebirth and regrowth from her trauma. Yeah. But they, they figured rebirth would not be a good title for a movie. Right. It's not. Or mother. Or anti-birth. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, hey, well, men, men is that's good controversial. Because it's all the same man. So. Right. Yeah. And that's about as far as it really goes. <laughs> like, yeah. Legitimately. The man is her boyfriend's every personality of him. Mm-hmm. Every single thing it's, that she experienced with him like the kind side the like the exactly. like religious but too too uh uh theocratic the physical abuse side with the guy in the bar patriarchy keeps, style yeah, thing charging at her yeah so there the is a little bit of it the in there kid too yeah because her, her boyfriend was a little husband he was a little too conservative for her taste let's just put it that way i guess yeah because he's more of the, the typical you stay home and cook and i do 
kind of thing maybe i don't know because well i don't know because some men i mean they show you one side and then you marry him and then it's it gets you know they get controlling why do you think i haven't married you (laughs) he was obviously a manipulative person well yeah you say that to your and broken up girlfriend or whatever is a last yeah yeah that you'll commit suicide like that if he was a real man he would have said it many times before that (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I think it's an accident, too. I do believe that he did. We'll say push. unaliving. By yeah, the way. unaliving. I do think he accidentally slipped off the balcony. He didn't do it on purpose. Right. And and, and, we, and the reason why is because of the look on his face. No, no. Because he looks I, really shocked. Like, oops. No, I I don't think that. And then he becomes he, I, Johnny Tangle on the fence. No, I think it was an accident. I that's what I said. I know, but you know, <laughs> I think it was an accident because of the look on his face. That's what I think. Okay, I don't think it was the look on his face. Well, that gave I it do. Away. I legitimately because the person he is, I think it was an accident. Okay, he was trying. It was to, just all talk. He was trying to get to her. He wasn't trying to unalive himself. Right. He he didn't know what to do because he didn't want to lose her. He did well. Yeah, in yeah. a controlling way. Right, I don't sure. think it was out of love at all. Well, his version of love is all I'm saying. We don't have to which be exact. Con- which is controlling. Remember, we're sharing our thoughts it's and our control. sides. Remember, we're trying to share our thoughts. We don't have to agree on everything. There's no solid answer. Like, maybe Alex Garland had it, but we're also sharing what we thought. So. And to be honest, I don't think the way that the actress like was acting and stuff, I don't think she actually felt guilty for what happened. It, it was just the trauma. It was the trauma of it happening. You know what I'm saying? Sure. She felt guilt. She, it was. See, I don't think she felt guilt. I don't think there's anything she, wrong with feeling her feeling guilt in this movie. I know we talked about this when the movie ended a little bit and we got into it a little bit because you were like, she's not weak, you know, da, 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 or something. And I'm like, no, I no. think it's I think it's regular human emotion to feel yeah. a little guilt if someone unalived themselves in front of you and whether it was an accident or not. You know, all I'm saying is, is that there's probably a little bit of guilt and that green man who was trying to force her into changing. Mm hmm. She had to get rid of that guilt and deal with that guilt in order to move on with her life. And she didn't, you know, by the end of the movie, you know, you see her friend shows up and she smiles, meaning she's like, fuck that guy. Right. <laughs> she dealed with it. Yeah. I I she swept all of my emotional baggage under the rug and she, now I don't have to deal with it. She killed it. She yeah. killed it. So she deal with it. So, you know, it's dead. And then 40 years later, after, you know, decades of therapy, she'll resurface again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about like, uh, like they kept the friend in the picture, but they kept like the phone kept like disconnecting and you kept seeing that guy's face screaming on the phone, which mm-hmm. was kind of an interesting. I thought it was it disconnecting from reality because she was in this space. Maybe. Yeah. Where like she was again, she was in this. I almost want to. I almost think she took she had to take drugs or something to get to that point. I don't think any of those people were real. I do think they were all in her head. Right. Or just at least. Yeah, maybe. While she was at the place. I don't know. Maybe she. Oh, maybe she ate the apple. And it and and she fucking tripped out. <laughs> That'd be kidding. too close to Midsommar, though, right? <laughs> like that's kind of like the same journey that they went on a little bit. Yeah, they took but mushrooms. all this, but all those people were real, right? But you know, I'm just saying, like the whole. It's like 
a metaphor for what how she was dealing with her ex. Yeah. So it's like, you know what I mean? Same kind of thing here is that she's kind she's of just dealing, like dealing with, with it in her head. Right. How space. who's at fault and is it her fault? And, you know, did she care for him? Did he make her feel like she needed to care for him or you know, whatever it is that she had to get over in the course of this movie. And there's a couple of things in the movie that happened that are pretty cool that I thought were interesting. I didn't really understand the nude dude who's just like wandering around sticking leaves in his skin and shit with his it's dick a, hanging out. It's a green man. His water faucet just like, like the hanging out. The green man's usually naked, okay? The green right. man's usually naked. He gets more green as the time goes on, by the way. Right, because change is coming. Yeah. Spring is coming. Change and he's going to hold you down and fucking put fucking, what do they call seeds in your mouth? <laughs> what? Pomegranates? No, uh, the fucking floaty what? seeds that we were talking about. Oh, Dandy. the dandelion. Yeah, he blows it at her. He's like, <sighs> and then it right. goes in her mouth, yeah. it, which is signifi- signifying that she's the process has begun. You know what's funny? I thought like all that with the dead whatever the dead deer and the dandelion i didn't think that meant anything i thought it was just like no you know artistic whatever like i saw the dandelion in many different spots in the movie and one of the dandelion fucking seeds went into the eye socket of a deer and in my thought my brain i was thinking well life feeds on life feeds on this is necessary meaning that death happens and then life grows from that death okay like nature Uh uh-huh you know, like it feeds the plants, the plants grow and then the trees grow and then we cut the trees down for our house. The house burns, the family's screaming inside, banging on the walls to get out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, trigger warning for anybody that has their family burned alive. Oh my God. <laughs> but no, yeah, I like thought of the seeds as like, you know, change, regrowth, rebirth. Like the whole time, like I'm thinking of that because he, as soon as I saw the seed go in the eye socket, I thought of that. And then it went in her mouth and I was like, oh, and then she gets knocked out. Remember? Right. And then she wakes up and she's kind of like dealing with it better than she was before. She's not as shocked about everything now. Probably because she's realizing. Right. She's coming too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So then like she sees like the guy outside. He's like frozen in time. The police officer. She's like, what are you doing? Oh, is and that then with the, the light? Yeah, the light goes out kind of like they did in Halloween, the new Halloween, mm-hmm. the sequel, the pre, the reboot sequel, whatever. Right. Where is he standing out front? <laughs> the requel. The, the uh, motion sensors. Right. Which I love. I thought that was great. That was creepy as shit. Oh, it was really great when Jeffrey went out there and he he like showed us it was a sensor. Yeah. They did that in another movie called Dark Skies, I think. It was like an alien one. Mm-hmm. Somewhere out back, I think. I can't remember, but just to be specific, because I don't think Halloween was the first to do it, but it was a significant one, you know. But mm-hmm. I liked how they did it in this movie, and that's when she runs into the green man. The nude dude who appears in front of her when the lights come back on mm-hmm. because Jeffrey comes over afterwards, and she's like, Jeffrey! And then he disappears, and then the fucking nude dude's just standing in front of her with his fucking faucet hanging out, and she's like, oh, my God. And that's when he blows the thing in her mouth and all this other shit, right? Right. And then all of a sudden she sees like each of the versions of the Jeffrey from the village and everywhere spilling onto the ground, getting pregnant, busting open a vagina and then spitting out another version of the Jeffreys. Right. And it's like just constantly happening like some sort of fucking what do they call that kind of painting where it's like it just consistently changes keeps morphing into one thing oh i don't know you had told me that they were going to make it like the thing or something like that weren't they 
So, like, originally he was influenced by um, Attack on Titan, the anime. Oh, okay. With yeah, the yeah, mutants. Yeah. Like, he was obsessed with it. So, he really wanted um, he wanted to write it as uh, mutants. And it didn't become a rolling burst sequence until pre-production. Uh, he said the mutants... He said the mutations felt weak, mm. and this made more sense. Didn't pack as much punch as a as a pussy giving birth. Right. He also <laughs> he also is gross. <laughs> I'm just saying. I he, mean, like, yeah he he wanted it to look like the thing and right. Well, well that like makes that. sense. Anything that's like an undulating mass of fucking parts was like right. the thing. He also said shooting that scene was a fucking nightmare because it was so cold and there was just slime like everywhere. And he, yeah, it, he just said it was a, a fucking nightmare. It probably helped the actors perform. How- yeah, because he looked like he was in pain like every single time. And that's something you pointed out while we were watching that part. And I was like, oh, my God. You were like, oh, he's trying to heal his hand. Like, we, which we're going to mention next. Because yeah. there's a scene in the movie which is one of the coolest fucking things ever where there's a guy reaching through the, the mail slot. She shuts the door, locks it, and this because this guy comes running at the door, right? Isn't that what it was? And then right. he, he sticks his hand through the mail slot, and then she shakes his hand, which is like, what, what are you doing? And then he pulls her towards her, and she takes the knife and jams it through the bone. And through the wrist. Yeah, through the, like... Or right above well, the wrist. Yeah, the arm has, like, two bones that go around. Right, like, right in between there and yeah, the middle. Yeah, so it goes right in the middle, and then you see it sever the hand all the way to the finger. And then it's just flapping two flaps. Flippity flappity. Yeah, he's got two arm flaps now, like every version of him that's like trying that to keeps stop her. Sh- showing up. So that, yeah, every version keeps showing up. Again, trying to stop her because it's every different version of the husband, like coming at her, right. trying to control her. Make sure her. that he doesn't forget her. Yeah, exactly. And or you, in her mind thinking that of him. And I guess um, also before that, every single man, they all had... Uh, two. Their two fingernails, the pinky and the one, the index finger, they they both had long nails, huh. which I didn't catch. I didn't so catch I was like, that oh, either. Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, so what's funny is when again when it's birthing, the hand is flopping out, and then a broken ankle comes right, out, which, which is from the husband. The husband, uh, when he was laying on the sidewalk after he jumped off. Yeah, the there's a Johnny Jangles on the fence. Yeah, so that's why, like, I thought he was trying to heal himself, and then I was like, oh my god, the husband's gonna come out. And he did, because... At the end, yeah. Yeah, because it's him. And he sits down on the couch, and she's like, what do you want? He's like, I just want you to love me. And then... She's like, fuck you, and then chops his head off. <laughs> I don't remember what happened. Why am I forgetting they, that? They did have a back and forth, and it was mostly him talking. He's, I just wanted you to love me. That's all I wanted. Yeah, that's all I wanted. And it was like, oh, I could have done that. I could have, you know, I was already felt that way about you. I just felt guilt about it. It was the guilt that made me judge myself poorly. Mm-hmm. So then, then her friend, who said that was going to be there in three hours, who shows up seven hours later, mind you. <laughs> she shows up pregnant. Yeah, she Wait. Got, which, Which confuses us even more. It's very confusing, but... After watching five dudes give birth to themselves. <laughs> like, who is this bitch going to spew out? Well, and you didn't let me finish the thing about the hand. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, there was a scene where the, the each of the characters, each of the guys, went and had the fucking fucked up hand that she cut in half. And the priest comes upstairs, shuts the door behind him, and then tries to rape her upstairs. 
Which is creepy. It is really unsettling. I thought I knew there was a rape scene in this, and I'm just glad it wasn't that totally bad. Totally makes sense, but it was unsettling nonetheless. Right. And, of course, that's what it's supposed to be. And he's like, takes his fucking split-hand arm and chokes her with it. Like, one part, his left, like, his left pinky and ring finger are grabbing the left side of her neck, while her his pointer finger and his middle finger are grabbing the right side of her neck with his thumb on her neck as well. And it's like, and she's got this blood all over. And it was really hard to kind of tell what was going on. And by the end of the movie, when her friend shows up, she's got that blood on her neck. So you're like thinking to yourself, did all of this happen? And why is she pregnant? Is she like, this is what I thought. I was like, oh, she was in a relationship with that girl. And somehow she got pregnant and she <laughs> felt guilt about pregnant. this other guy who jumped off the roof and Johnny jangled himself See, on the fence. And that friend was did talk about her husband in the movie. Right. So. so I had no clue. It confused the shit out of us a little bit. And then we had the, to look it up. The friend was symbolizing just someone who cared about her change. and would be there. And then her being pregnant, the pregnancy was the change. Yeah. That was the rebirth. You know, she the reminder let go, of the rebirth. She let go of her trauma with the green man. She was able to let go of her trauma with the green man, and then her friend, her pregnant friend, came, and that was you know that's right. the change in the rebirth coming. So you know, it's funny too because after everything with the whole Roe v. Wade thing, like this movie came out, what that she should have an abortion. <laughs> it's just weird that he has this whole thing about birth and shit in here. And like, I wonder if he would have, if, if Roe v. Wade happened before he put this movie out, if it would have changed the trajectory of the movie because of that. I don't think so, because is it really like birth in that sense? I don't think it was. No, but I'm just saying him being the artistic mind in, and all these people that we hear, like the person, Darren Aronofsky, who did Mother and how it changed in the middle and Alex Garland saying it changed in the middle. Like these, all these guys are like writing like, because when I saw Mother, I thought it was about being God. And then he got a God complex while he was writing the movie Mother mm -hmm. because he had to get in the mind of being God and mm -hmm. what God would want. And if he was God, what would he want? Right. And then it's like, you know, that's why I'm saying like these kind of movies, they tend to morph and change. And I just wonder if like Roe v. Wade uh, would have had an effect on that. Well, I'm glad it didn't because it made good sense to me. I still think we're going to see some pretty been. fucked up movies coming forward. That are going to be artsy fartsy fucking birthy movies. We already got hatching, and the, I, which I haven't seen that one yet. And then the Lamb movie mm -hmm. that already came out, didn't it? Right, which I haven't seen those. I mean, I started to watch Lamb, but I just boring. I no, I couldn't stay awake. So, but anyway, yeah, I just I was just throwing that out there, not to be you know bring up a bad subject, but you know we're talking about birth, so I mean it's mm -hmm. just I wonder what kind of movies are going to come out of that. I really do mm -hmm. because of the nightmare that no, is happening for a lot of women and and men right now. You know. Mm -hmm. they're going to be fathers whether they want to or not they're going to be mothers if they want to or not they're uh, already abandoning baby pre newborns oh there's already nightmarish fucking things going on that the law didn't foresee but they don't care about it's like uh yeah probably should have figured that out the 10 year old oh my god yeah that one the, well, that, oh, i don't want to get into it but just oh. i'm just saying like i just wonder because this movie deals so much heavily on birth and, and rebirth in this movie i really feel like I don't know. It's interesting. It might have might have made people more confused to see it now versus then. Well, did you know he also started writing this 15 years ago? 
I mean, that's cool too. So I mean, the he was probably changed. going through some changes, some relationship breakup or something. Uh, I don't think so. He just started it, and then he got obsessed with Green Man, like. Uh, 10 years ago or something so he added that in the script yeah see what and, i mean you know. that's what i'm saying you adapt as you're going because it kind of just fits somehow you know mm-hmm. but did you notice there was oh go ahead go ahead no go ahead did you notice there was 17 minutes of the movie that she, there was no dialogue yeah i mean they, this was, was not crazy. a heavy dialogue movie right i thought it was funny. but there was a lot of things that were happening in it that kind of kept pushing it along so mm-hmm. and they had a lot of weird imagery you know with the horses and like different shots and stuff of the f- nature which was really nice mm-hmm. but yeah there is another movie that we're going to talk about though um and it is david cronenberg's crimes of the future of the future, of the future. i did the work on this one and uh we're going to basically tell you all about it this is a movie that i tried to watch twice now (laughs) um the first time i kept falling asleep but i'll I'll get into that so crimes of the future came out this year just just a couple of weeks ago actually it is about humans that adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations with his partner caprice saul tensor celebrity performance artist publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in an avant-garde performance this, okay. this is obviously written and directed by David Cronenberg, who has done many films. Of the many he's done, I my most fondest are probably Videodrome, Existence, Naked Lunch, maybe like The Brood, Shivers, and quite so many more. There's a lot of his catalog that a lot of people haven't seen. Stars in the movie. We got Viggo Mortensen, who is Saul Tensor. No stranger to Cronenberg because for a while there, Cronenberg had him in Eastern Promises and a history of violence when he decided to go a more action thriller route. Uh, Vigo was also better known for his role as Aragon. Aragon! In Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's where I recognize him from. I he looks know. young there, but you know. But yeah, he was in that. He was in the movie called The Reflecting Skin, which is a really bizarre fucking indie film. Carlito's Way, Green Book, which I never did see. I heard was really good, but also kind of like not written from the right perspective. Green Book. Yeah. It's Oops. about it's about the book, remember? <gasps> oh, yeah. That's why I was I was curious because yeah. I've heard a lot of history about that book and there's even a building down in downtown In Phoenix. Lovecraft Country, they did it better justice there, I think, than they did oh, the, this movie. Than, than this movie. movie. Oh, okay. There were some people that had issues with it, but it was a, supposedly a really good performance by oh. everyone involved. Oh, all right. Uh, we also have Leah Sado, Leah Sido, who is Caprice in the movie, his partner pretty much sexually physically mentally partner performance wise i don't know but best known for her roles in specter and no time to die she was in blue is the warmest color the grand budapest hotel plus she's going to be in dune part two. Oh, i'm so excited she's actually a pretty good actress she really put herself into this role mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it was like sat on and learned for a long time either so i heard that there was a lot of single takes Oh, well, that's good. Kristen Stewart is also in this movie. She plays Timlin. Natalie Portman was supposed to play her, and uh, it ended up being um, Kristen Stewart. I'm not sure how that worked. Better choice. Yeah, she was in Twilight franchise, Underwater, American Ultra, Jumper, The Messengers, and a lot more. We also have Diana, or Spencer. She was in Spencer. You can't miss that movie, okay? Oh, I didn't see it. I don't even know what it is. It's about Princess Diana. She played Princess Diana. Oh, okay, cool. Anyway, sorry. Scott Speedman's in this movie, and uh, he plays Lang Dotris, who is in Underworld franchise. He plays Michael. I'm not sure who that is. Michael Michael the Angel? The Archangel? I, I don't know. Underworld? Yeah. The, oh. 
<laughs> that show gets so bananas, I don't know what to think of it. In my mind, my dyslexic mind, I was thinking Waterworld. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, he plays Michael in the show and the under in, in the franchise of Underworld. He was also in the Strangers, Felicity TV series, Animal Kingdom TV series, and Grey's Anatomy TV series. We also have Welkit Bungue, who plays Cope. He is a Portuguese Guinean actor. He is a director, writer, and, uh, you know, he's done a lot. <laughs> he's worked on films for a long time, obviously in Brazil and Portugal mostly. But he's got movies like Berlin, Alexanderplatz, Joaquim, Upheaval, and more. We got Don McKellar, who's a Canadian, uh, you know, because Cronenberg likes to have a lot of Canadians in his film. Uh, he plays the character Whippet in the Organ Registry. He is in Existence. He was the guy that was in the food where they make the gun and then he gets shot. Uh, and then uh, he was in Slings and Arrows TV show, Saving Hope TV show, Sensitive Skin, The Middleman and more. The budget for this film was about a million and a half and they made the box office worldwide in theaters, you know, on a very limited theatrical run for about 3.4 million. I don't know if it's just domestically in, in um, U.S. and Canada. Canada. Yeah, but not too bad, I guess, you know, for like a quick like, hey, we're throwing it out there and see what happens. I think the reason they do that is because you can't be you can't win an award for uh, a performance or a movie or be accepted into the, you know, thing unless you actually put it in the theater. Isn't that right. how it works? Uh, yeah. So I don't know what it is for Emmys or Oscars. The or Academy. Academy Awards. Okay. But yeah, Christina, what did you think of this movie? Uh... Well, I thought it was an interesting concept with uh, people not being able to feel pain and, you know, making surgery art. Yeah. Physical arts. And also like the whole eating thing. It's interesting. Interesting. Kind of gross for someone that has like sensory sen issues. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. And it was it was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was so fucking bored. There's too much dialogue in some of those scenes. Yeah. They're just talking too much and they're talking about nothing. But then you get lost and it doesn't make sense. You don't know who's working for who and sure. what's good. And it's a completely different world. And I don't think it was explained too well. I couldn't grasp it, I think, mm -hmm. just because. And then I stopped paying attention because I was so bored. <laughs> okay, moving on. So I did think. <laughs> I did think. So I hate everything. I did think, no, I don't think, hey, everything, okay? okay? Okay, I thought the designs were really cool. They had that chair and then the coffin bed thing was cool and, like, them cutting into themselves with the, I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, try not to, yeah, because there's not much to talk about. <laughs> I know, but, like, they had, like, tattooed insides and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, It was in the trailer. Um, uh, Kristen Stewart was creepy, but she's always creepy. She was even creepy as Princess This is Diana. a weird role for her. She was creepy. Um, I'm hoping you can change my mind on this with whatever your mind has come with it, because I'm at a four out of ten right now. Okay. It was so boring. That much, huh? I mean, I'm not as, I'm not as fond of this as I wanted to be, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, this is a movie that, you know, first off, let me just say... You guys know I'm kind of a Cronin fiend a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. I like his movies, at least a portion of his movies that I, I find that are very 
tolerable. Just, I love them. Like I, I can watch them all the time. There's a specific atmosphere. There's a specific message in each of them that resonates with me. And, uh, you know, perception is the mind's eye. Just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen pretty much all of his films, although there are a few that I have not, like his original Crimes of the Future, which this has nothing to do with, apparently. But there is organ talk in that movie, too. But there's something else. But mostly all all of the earlier films that he did, and I'm talking about the time when he was doing like, you know, Videodrome, Existence, Naked Lunch, around that time when those are like mind expanding, you know, like going into this film, I wanted that old sort of middle of the road Cronenberg that harkened back to those films that blew my fucking LSD riddled fucking mind when I was like hanging out with my friends. I, I still remember to this day watching Naked Lunch and there was a scene in the movie where He's talking to the main character and he's like, I'm not actually having this conversation with you physically. In fact, I'm not even, if you look at my mouth, I'm not even using my words from my mouth. And all of a sudden he starts saying something completely different with his mouth than he's saying to him in his mind. And I'm tripping balls at this point. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this is is blowing my mind right now. I was like, turn it off. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so, you know, he's got some stuff in his movies that have always been kind of like in that weird space of like, you know, technophobia, body horror, like trippy shit where he melds a lot of different ideas into one. And his stuff is kind of nightmarish at times. You know what I mean? He's he's a, he's a visual storyteller. And, and this is something that's always been about these movies that have resonated with me the most. The style, the way the actors deliver their bizarre lines, people intentionally delivering their lines out of sync, like I mentioned. Double agents. He's always got a double agent theme in all these movies that I've mentioned just about where he's playing oh, both yeah. sides. And that's present in this movie. So this is something that I was like, okay, this is exactly what I wanted. I want to see this. I'm really excited about it. And knowing that this movie was kind of a return to that form, but not as good as any of those other films to me, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. The first time I watched the film, I got really fucking pissed off because I fell asleep like 10 times and I kept going back and I was like, no, you can't do this movie like that, Alex. Right. And then I almost didn't want to review it because I was so angry at the situation and I was depressed. I was depressed because I couldn't fucking, I don't know what was going on with me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But. I finally did get to watch it again, and I stayed awake. I think I took, like, three fucking alert pills just to stay (laughs) awake on it so I could fucking chug some Cronenberg. But I can't say this is one of my favorites of his movies, but there is definitely something of meaning here. The atmosphere is kind of there. It it did add to this sort of, like I said, techno body splatter that he's good at. And, you know, they definitely have a meaning here, but it's probably not what you're expecting or what I was thinking. When I first watched this, I was like, oh, my God, this is about art. It's about art and how they're censoring it and da-da-da-da-da. First off, you should know that Cronenberg wrote this movie 20 years ago in 1998. Huh. Didn't change a fucking word of it, period. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll get into why he made this film and why it was the time to do this later, but just know that. I personally think that he is such a really good visual storyteller, but a lot of times the atmosphere and the vibe that you get from his movies really kind of elate you to the point where you're like thinking of like these wild things you know like mind expansive things you know for whatever reason i've just always associated that with him but whenever you see an interview with him it's like oh yeah i just thought lights were bright and and trees were neat (laughs) and you're like what (laughs) 
I need more in-depth yeah, perception like, here. That's just my artistic stylings, you know, like how I did that. And it's like, God damn it, dude. I thought it was like this crazy fucking wild fucking mind expanding thing that I was going on a trip for. You know, it's been my whole life. And he even made fun of some people who've come up to him. He's like, look, I totally respect when people say that shit to me. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I have to worry about them because it's like, why did this change your life? This is not a good movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, of course, I respect and love the attention. But uh, but anyway, most of us will probably have some sort of grandiose idea about what this fucking movie is. And it's a lot more simple than I think you might realize. But this movie is going to be a slow burn movie for those who don't like slow burns. You probably should just avoid it anyway. It's such slow burn. It does pay attention to like people's body language, subtle motions, emotions or the lack thereof emotion but it's almost like watching a dance if you will like where the actors sometimes they they act and react in odd ways and dance in this really peculiar way that's kind of mesmerizing in some facet to certain groups of people so i guess you could say art house film pretty much but there are treats to be had in the form of gore and sexual exploration in this movie it's kind of exploitative in that regard and a little bit Not as much as everybody was saying when they said they all walked out of the theater. That was overblown, by the way. That's stupid. But he's never shied from stuff like that anyway in his movies. So if you're used to that and seeing it in his films, this will be nothing new and nothing that far advanced. But the message he was sending in this movie, while it's, you know, artsy, it's just not as wild as I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. But I would think like existence meets Dead Ringer's only slower and less treats. If you can get into those, you'll probably fare pretty well on this one. The end was kind of crazy, but not as crazy as you think. You know, it's pretty tame. But for 1998, it probably would have taken off pretty well. I'll be honest. Oh, in 98? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like right before the Matrix and shit? Right. Yeah. There would have been some people going, oh, they stole that from them. Or Yeah. Something, you know what I mean? Like this is, there's a lot of stuff in here that you really got to think back to 1998 and really appreciate, I think. But it still kind of works for today and I'll explain how it does later. But all the performances that there are here are kind of typical Cronenberg performances. So um, if you consider that good, then that's good. If you consider it bad, it might be bad for you. But I, I, how I, I think a lot of the actors and the actresses did a good job, though, and they really do commit to the weirdness of this movie, which is not easy. You know, it's it may seem easy, but it's not mm-hmm. being in those awkward positions, doing awkward things with different parts of your body that are just awkward. It's it's just weird. So maybe the message just didn't resonate with me or I was expecting a far weirder freak out and like mm-hmm. crazier moments. Right more practical maybe than I was like, than we got, I'd probably give this like a 6.5, maybe a six out of 10 based on his other movies though. Oh, only on his other movies. Like where would you rate this movie with his other movies? Where would you put it? I mean, uh, I don't know. It's so different. It's, you're not going to see another movie like this. So it is original. You know, I have to give it credit there. Like what movie can you name this, that, that this reminds you of one of his movies, maybe Dune. No. I don't know. Acting wise, maybe. No, because like (laughs) Dune was kind of (laughs) boring. This is kind of boring. Uh Oh, you're going to upset Josh. He's going to unsubscribe. They're both in the future. They're both in the desert. All right. Get off the horse. (laughs) You're just stirring up problems now. 
Anyway, I just think, you know, yeah, six, 6.5 based on his other movies. Okay. Based on the other movies that I like, I don't think this is going to be a very high one for other fans of Cronenberg. Mm. And I think those who are going to listen to me are going to be the ones that, that do like those kind of movies. But I don't know, because I have another friend who's a big fan of his and he thought it was amazing. I think he thought it was like a 7.5 or an 8. But to me, it just okay. kind of fell short. It's original, but it just didn't resonate with me and it may not you. And as much as I love Cronenberg, I'd say wait to watch on streaming unless you're an ultra fan and you have to just see it. I wouldn't pay the $20 to go see this or, you know what I mean, to, mm-hmm. to rent it or just buy it on a whim. If you collect his stuff, have at it, buddy. But I'm sure it'll go down in price and it'll become rare if you don't buy it. So that's true. That's going to happen for sure. So just keep that in mind if you're a fan of his and you want to keep it at some point. You want to get it regardless if you like it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was a little disappointed. Sucks, but I'd say six probably is probably more where I'm at. There are some cool things in it, though. I like the ideology. I like the metaphor a little bit where I thought it was more about art. It's not. (laughs) But we'll get into that next. So you had a four. four. Did that help at all? No. Oh, you don't. We don't know yet because you're. You need to tell me about why. What this messaging <laughs> like, is. Why? Why? What okay. the movie? <laughs> so we'll get into that right now. We'll talk about some of our theories and what we thought this movie was going to be about, kind of more specifically. Uh, and that'll be brief, but I'll fill you in. Okay. Um. But yeah, if you don't want anything spoiled, please follow the timestamps down below to find out what we're going to be talking about next week and what movies we're going to be doing. They're going to be on Tubi, so you can watch them there. But uh, yeah, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So this was a movie that was entirely filmed in one warehouse. I couldn't figure out if the boat scene was the same Uh, tugboat that was used in Videodrome. uh But he did say that a lot of the imagery that he used in these movies may feel very familiar to other movies that this has nothing to do with. Oh, because he reused... Just sort of ideas. Oh, okay. Like, there was a scene in the movie where it said, uh, what is it, something about reality is beyond or something like that, or... And then there was the tugboat scene where, you know, where James Woods goes down into the tugboat in Videodrome and unalives oh. himself pretty much. Okay. So, but yeah, there's some uh, imagery in there, but he said it's not connected. So you don't have to worry about that. Well, I thought this was about Paul Sensor or Saul, excuse me, Saul Sensor, <laughs> Saul Tensor. Wow. Saul Tensor. Who's dyslexic now? I know, right? <laughs> Saul Tensor was a artist. He had a ability to create organs inside of his body that were fully functional, but had no purpose. And so this is in the weird, bleak future of Cronenberg, where people have no, uh, for some reason, they've grown to a point where they don't feel pain anymore. They've mutated. They've uh, what's it called evolved. Yes, they've evolved into a world where they don't feel pain and they don't... Did we even mention that? I did, kind of. Okay. But they evolved into a, into a way of not feeling pain. People perform, like, open surgeries on each other because it's kind of become the new sex in some weird way. His partner opens up his organs and pulls out, tattoos these organs with a copy of what the tattoo of the organ looks like on the actual organ. And then removes them as an art exhibit 
for everybody to see. So she's tattooing organs and then removing the organs from them. And they're both artists, so to speak, which there is a moment in the movie where Saul and his caprice, his assistant, have a discussion. It would be an argument, but she's so beholden to him, I think, because they're in it together. I I didn't like that. I don't know. I think they both are, though, because she did things... You know, there was a very open yeah, relationship. Yeah, but it was weird to me. Why do you say weird? I don't know. It was just weird. Okay. So <laughs> that's very descriptive. I'm sure everyone will understand what you mean by it's, that. It's hard to describe because they weren't really doing anything. I don't know. Like, there, I guess because I watched it twice, I picked up the subtleness of that a little bit more than I did the first time. Their relationship was very reliant on one another and, and, and whatever they did and that he was technically the artist, and he even spoke to her frankly about it by saying, you know, are you really an artist because you tattoo what my organ looks like that I created in my body that somehow I subconsciously created inside of my body? Or are you the artist tracing my art onto my art? Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's kind of like tracing it if you think about it, right? No, because no, because but well, so when a painter or a sketchist goes and sketches out um, a landscape, does that mean the landscape's the art and not the artist and not the guy sketching? Like that didn't make any fucking sense. Well, to it kind of makes sense because he's kind of ahead of his time in a lot of ways because he thinks of things that the human mind does that it the other people don't. It's what weird. Does that have to do with that? Well, think of think of think of long form fucking art versus short form art nowadays. Yeah. Well, okay. that's kind of different, though. I mean, he, she's, she's tattooing, like, drawing, like, on himself. Like, when you get a tattoo, too, like, on your body, even you're, the tattooist is the artist. It's not you. Right. But he's saying that he's a biological artist and that she's the one that's copying on his work, essentially. And the reason I'm saying this, and they made a big point of it in the movie by saying it like that, they have that whole conversation for 10 minutes. I started thinking, oh... There's this registry that does organ registry and they they take down the new organs that people are having and collect them. (laughs) And then so it's an illegal operation that is working with the police, but not the government, which is confusing as fuck. Really confusing. Also makes you wonder, oh, is this so is this type of artwork outlawed? And if people are dead and not feeling anything anymore then artwork has changed and morphed into a different thing because pain is art. People create art based on their pain. So I'm thinking in my head, oh, shit, they're kind of outlawing artwork. And so people have made a workaround to a new style of of art. You know what I mean? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I just fell asleep right there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't. I just, it doesn't make any it's just weird right and the way that they were reacting and how they were sharing everything and how like people were it's it kind of reminds me of that movie that Christian Bale did where the everybody's emotions oh, have been taken away yeah. from them do you understand what I'm saying yes that I understand and that art is like this like thing that you're not allowed to have and it's oppressive and they don't want people to do it because they don't want to war with each other and Be- somehow the body is morphed into this and the world's kind of like fucked up and people are changing because of it and I thought it was this forced like no art thing because oh yeah okay, you know because of sense. how everybody's trying to censor shit these days so were they doing that like underground 
Yeah, the, the organ registry was underground. It was only where they only worked with the vice. So when they did their their artistic surgery stuff, that was like underground. Right. It's not illegal. But it's it's hard. it's not illegal because they had gone to the future and it was enough farther out that people didn't feel pain anymore. So it wasn't like a moral stance anymore. I didn't get that at all. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's more to it than that because in the movie, there's like a guy who has a son, and in the very beginning of the movie, you see this kid eating a fucking plastic fucking trash can. Yeah, wastebasket. He's out front of his house in the on the beach digging up shit to try to eat. Apparently, because his mom comes out and she's like, "Don't eat that. Whatever you find out there, you're not gonna fucking eat it. I don't care what it is. You're coming in here and eating regular food." And you immediately think, "Oh, these people are starving and there's no food because it's the future and there, there's like nothing." You know, that's not nothing. what I thought. I thought I, I, I thought. was thinking deeper than that. He, I, but yeah, he goes inside and brushes his teeth and then goes under the sink and starts eating the trash can. And his mouth is like spitting out this white shit that's melting down the plastic. It's like able to melt the plastic like a fly would with its food and then digest it. Right. It's really weird. And so, you know, they're kind of connecting this kid to what Saul Tensor does Mm -hmm. because he's coming up with new organs that have no purpose, supposedly. But if he keeps cutting them out, so how does he know? Right. So he may be one of them. And this other guy... Whose son eats plastic? His the mother of that child fucking. Oh kills shit! Him. I better kill him. Yeah, she fucking suffocates him oh, under sh- a pillow. The- which that is some pretty fucking brutal shit. Well, he did eat the wastebasket. Yeah, so I mean, so let's hold a pillow over his head. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> it looked real. It did. It's kind of sad. Like I don't know, but she kills him. Tells the husband to come get him. Apparently, you find out later that this guy, he eats synthetic bars. Plastic. Plastic, plastic, plastic? bars. Yes. Which makes sense. Which I these, like that part of the movie, He actually. wants Saul Tensor to use his dead son's body to open it up to prove to the world that we're changing and that we don't need to look at it as a bad thing. And we need to show the world that we're, we have a purpose and this organ is a functional thing. Whereas he, the father, has re-situated his organs to be able to digest toxic plastic, plastic goods. Because we can't destroy it in the environment. Mm-hmm. It's already in the environment. Right. Which is, which we'll get to that in a second. Just hold oh. on. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> um, but you're definitely on to the right thing. But this is where it started going. And then I started realizing, okay, what I was thinking before is totally not right. There's something else going on here. And sure enough, it is. You know, David Cronenberg went and sat down at a really big interview Um where he talked about it and he said he feels like censor in the very beginning he goes censor in the film an artist who gives all of his insights to the world that feels no pain is just like him mm-hmm. and that he's literally giving everything that he has inside of him bearing all for the world to critique him you know what i mean in some way and then he wrote this in 1998 so when he finished this in 1998 he just shelved it i don't know why he just never used it But one of his producers, Robert Lantis, convinced him that now is the best time, better than ever, to do it. And he was like, why is that? He's like, because of microplastics. Yep. And it's in everything now. It's in our food. It's in our water. Right. It's in everything. They cannot get rid of it. Right. And that's the thing is that the body is somehow weirdly adapting to this. 
Mm-hmm. We already have like microorganisms that can eat oil and can eat plastic. And that's how they live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's not uncommon for the body to sort of kind of deal with plastic in adapt. a way it's and adapting. adapt to it. Yeah. So we're kind of in, in a way. And he wrote this in 1998, by the way, are adapting to this fucking thing. And that child in the movie literally had a natural way, which, by the way, Paul Saul Tenser is like, that's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean? Why is that insane? He's like, if I chop off my kids fingers and then have a child, they're not going to grow to not have fingers. So just because you changed your organs around to be able to digest plastic doesn't mean your son is going to start. Everybody's sons are going to come out being able to digest plastic without the surgery. Mm hmm. But so that's kind of what he was playing with in this movie. And that's why at the end of the movie, when they cut open the boy. Right. You find out that Timlin had stuffed the lady from the registry, who was really strict, Mm -hmm. had stuffed the body somehow and switched out the real organ that was fully functional. Mm -hmm. So but yeah, so it's interesting that he kind of thought about this idea because we were using so much plastic back then. That was a big concern in the 90s. Right. That's when we started recycling, doing a lot more recycling and shit like that, didn't we? In the early 90s, yeah, because I remember in school. It was right. this big thing. So, I don't know. He inadvertently knew that back then, and he said that he wrote the story more about the characters sort of dealing with the change in technology and, like, how we sort of adapt to our surroundings. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he said it's not exactly political in that regard, even though nowadays that is kind of a political thing. Well, they made it political. They make everything political. Right. He's, if if you didn't know this, by the way, he's a diehard um, atheist. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, you should be pretty happy about that one. You got one on your team. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to hell with you, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going there, you fucking pieces of shit. I'm not going anywhere either. We're no, not I'm going kidding. Anywhere. I know. We all know we're not going nowhere. <laughs> I'm going to come back as a ghost. I'm going to fucking haunt Josh's ass. <laughs> he doesn't believe in ghosts, so he wouldn't even hear you. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He'd be oh. like, oh, it must be the washing oh, machine. It's the pipes. It's the, yeah, the wiring. Uh, it must be, I, oh, I took too much drugs. That's what it is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but he said that he, he wrote that about the characters, though, dealing with technology. And he finds that, and it's really interesting what he was talking about, because he chose the surgeons in this movie to be um, artists. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And in, as in, like, some of the people we have known who are body performance artists, you know, who mm-hmm. do hooks, remember? Right. Like, we had our friend Danny Danger who pulled a truck with hooks in her back. In her back, yeah. And there was, like, ten people in the truck. It's fucking gross. <laughs> they put it in neutral, and she literally walked it across the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, people just started showing up and, like, cheering and it was crazy mm-hmm. I, I could never do that but he finds that kind of stuff fascinating even back in the 90s because they were doing it back then right and he thought of it as like how committed that, that person is to their art mm-hmm. and how important that is and how he was he found that to be like the highest form of art is to be that committed to something that you would hurt yourself so that's why he thought of the surgery oh. And, and like cutting out that you were so committed to your art that you'd be willing to cut open your body. I see. You see what I'm saying? So like when uh, the lady cut open her face, like the really pretty girl 
uh, they had somebody come and she cut open her face, looked like right. she had fucking fins sure. on her face. That was the impetus for him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that was the the driving thing about this movie for him. So in the metaphorical sense, an artist is risking their life by giving their art to the world. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So in in, in a way, that is that's why people don't do art is because they're scared of what people will think. Right. They're scared of the rejection of it. But and that's why you also need to do it for yourself first. Of course, because Always. even if you even if your art is shit, you do it for yourself. That right. art is important to you because it's what drives you and makes you happy. Even if you have to cut your face open. <laughs> even if you have to do a podcast for six years straight <laughs> that hasn't gone syndicated or blown up. And <laughs> I don't think we're that good, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like we could have gotten bigger maybe by now. You know what I mean? But we have the best group of people, and that's all that really matters. That's all that matters. And right. we do it for ourselves. Right. Exactly. Really. Like, if I really cared about the numbers, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. Oh, Although no I am kind of a stubborn motherfucker, you so. Are, oh my god! <laughs> but anyway, uh, you just be glad I'm a stubborn motherfucker, motherfuckers. Just kidding. Um, thank you for being here. <laughs> but anyway, he says, uh, you know, he also said that this is not something that he does for his legacy. Like he doesn't believe in legacy because his body's not gonna. He's not gonna care when he's dead. Did uh his son? Didn't he direct? Yes, he did two movies. Per progressor what was it called possessor possessor and antiviral that was another one did uh did his son have anything to do with him like coming back into directing i don't know i think it was mostly his um producer i thought that yeah i did too but maybe it was a combination of things maybe maybe it was partly that and he was like well you know i do have that one script sitting there for 20 years ago mm-hmm. maybe i should use that I also, I like the imagery, like, when there was the TV sets that said body is reality, and it was in the black and white. Like, that kind of reminded me of some of his older stuff, right? Right. Well, it's just interesting to get into his mind, because, like, I was trying to tell you before, uh, before you mentioned the uh, processor or whatever. (laughs) What am I thinking? Whatever, his fucking son's movie. (laughs) He doesn't do this for his legacy, he says, because he does it more to be a part of his own art. Like we were talking about, you do it because you do it for yourself. Right. And he's like, if people like it, that's even better. You know, like that's even more amazing. You know what I mean? But he, that's why his art is so specific and so different than, you know, it's supposed to resonate with those who it's supposed to resonate with and not those that doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care. He doesn't mind. He doesn't have a legacy to live after life because life ends. He doesn't believe he's like, he's perfectly peaceful with oblivion. Right. So he's just been a diehard atheist and he's at peace with oblivion is what he said, mm-hmm. which I think is like a great saying mm-hmm. at peace with oblivion. with oblivion. But the body is, he said, is our existence. And so is technology. It's a very physical form of our existence and how we perceive reality. He was talking about an instance where he was sitting on the couch with a dog and he was like, that dog is having a completely different experience of life than I am. And we're sitting in the same room in the same place, maybe on different planes of existence for all I know. Here we are in the same room together, having completely different experiences with one another. And he said, I've always been very empath or empathic towards animals and children, mm-hmm. specifically because children, before they get their id, their ID where they think of themselves, right. they're living in sort of a connected consciousness in a way from this ether that, you know what I mean, beforehand that is not destroyed by uh, the outer world. Yeah. Do you understand society? Right. 
Yeah. So he has this admiration for that. And I just thought that was kind of fa- fascinating mm-hmm. that he thought kids really were in balance with the world more. Totally. Than when you experience it and get jaded by it. Right. Which is where he kind of thrives in and makes all these things attacking you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. a nightmarish fucking visually. What do you think about those chairs? Because I guess he had problems eating, right? So he had to sit in this I chair. I don't know what the fuck he was, I was thinking. Like, he had to eat in this chair so it could swivel around like this H.R. Geiger fucking chair. That was probably just something as simple as like him thinking, you know, there's probably going to be some sort of technology that makes sure that you can eat a certain way. And and just like the squatty potty was developed to make sure you shit a certain way. Maybe there's a chair that will move you around to make sure that your organs are, are swallowing Adjusting. the food in just the right way. You know, Funny. it's interesting. Yeah. And a lot of the technology he used in this, Paul uh, Salt Tensor was actually old, outdated stuff mm-hmm. that barely anybody knew how to use anymore. That's why I get this existence thing, because they're using a lot of machinery in the movie and they're also using organs and stuff like that, which existence did both of those things. It was very physical and technology was implanted into our bodies. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting how he's like obsessed with that. Um he said that uh, there was that scene where in Crimes of the Future where Caprice is revelating on how the world has chewed up the kids, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like upset because she sees all the tattoo. She's like, right. this is a roadmap for fucking, you know, the the destination of hell or something <laughs> like that. You know, something spiritual out of it. Uh-huh. And um, do you remember that scene where she's like crying and she after she cut open the kid? Yeah, it was weird. She said, let this be a lesson to us all that this is, you know, because it's almost kind of like how religion maybe he can get established from some sort of lie. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I feel like. Uh-huh. Do you, do you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because the Timlin chick who was the registry girl, the right? Kristen Stewart, switched out his organs with right. with the, all the registry items mm-hmm. and knew, and they knew that he had actual real organs that worked. But at the end, did they say he? It, that's not what it was, that he was actually born that way? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. He had natural organs until she removed them and put in fake ones. Put in the fucking... Uh, oh, Kristen okay. Stewart's character removed his organs. Yeah, I know, his but His natural I, organs that were working. The conversation at the end confused me because it, they made it seem like they, they were just lying about that. Okay, well, let me explain that to you then. So the cop, the the black guy who was the cop, yeah, is well. He was a cop for Oregon Registry. He worked for a special division of police called New Vice, which wasn't for like regular cops. It was for people who they were to go check in on who might go crazy because they're having bad organs. Because uh, apparently, you know, people were growing organs and changing. They were being rejected. Yeah, and so people would get delirious over these things, and he was there to ensure that no bad things happened because of it. Right. So that was his job. And apparently, Saul Tenser was a double agent who didn't really believe in the artwork he was doing and was sent in by another third party between the vice, new vice, the registry, and that doctor, which was this uh, trifecta of people. Uh, and he was like a double agent doing this artistry work, but he fell in love with it so much that he too started growing organs that he fell in love with. Right. Including the ability by the end of the movie mm-hmm. to eat plastic, mm-hmm. which he tries the bar at the end, if you notice. Throughout the whole movie, he's trying to eat some weird pasty ass shit and it doesn't work. And he's like, and then he eats the 
plastic and all of his problems go away. Yeah. And everything in the world like kind of goes into focus and all it loses all its color and he goes it goes to black and white. I don't mm-hmm. know what that was for. But... I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah, so technically, he was really just making... He isn't necessarily saying that he wrote this movie as an environmental movie, but it just plays into that world now and kind of makes sense. Totally. And that really, it's just about characters, and you know that's why he didn't put it out back then, because it didn't seem sufficient enough to just make a story about people who were falling in love with their technology. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, nobody had a cell phone. Do you think they ate him? In 98, I think they did. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying right, like, in this movie, no one had a cell phone. No, probably because he Weird. just doesn't like them. Oh. I don't know. Maybe. He's an old man. That's why. He's he's very specific about his interests. Old men don't like new things. <laughs> no, I mean, he's writing about fucking sticking, uh, in existence, sticking a port in the back of your spine. <laughs> I think he's pretty okay with it. He's, like, more than okay with it. He has no moral. I think I'd rather have my cell phone, please. I don't want a pork in the back. A pork, yeah, I don't think. A pork. A pork. <laughs> porking? A pork on the back of my but spine. I just wanted please. to basically kind of express like some of the interest that he had. And he said, you know, in the movie, the TV says body is reality. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Body, yeah, body is, is reality. reality. Which Cronenberg said he had uh, cataract surgery. Out. Just recently, which Oof. was has altered his color. His sharpness, his detail. And the guy had asked him, he said, are you um, afraid of death? Are you afraid of death and uh, technology getting out of control? Because I felt like this movie was like a warning to us to not let technology get out of control. And he was like, oh, really? He's like, that's fascinating. Oh, wow. I didn't get that at all. No, because he's very okay with technology. Yeah. You know, he's having sex with technology. Think about it that way. But he said that it uh, it came to his conclusion that when he, because he said, you know, you're getting older and you're losing your sight and stuff like that. He said, well, it's interesting because I had the surgery. It altered my color, my sharpness, the detail. It's like a whole new world. He said, normally I'd be wearing like like eyeglasses. He said, so that's changed. He's like, and... He said, "Did it scare? Does it scare you?" And he says, "I don't know." He's like, "I got hearing aids. I'm pretty much a bio, a bio, <laughs> bio electronic mutant anyway. So it doesn't really matter, you know. I'm just this bio. What do they call him? Bio man. Bio 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 bioelectric man. Anyway, he's like, we're just people need to be not so scared of it and just kind of go with it. You know what I mean? So he's already, you know, bionically enhanced. That's the word. Oh, so he's vaccinated. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) He's got all the microchips he can handle. (laughs) His DNA chain's made up of fucking (laughs) microchips, guys. (laughs) Kind of reminds me, I kind of wonder if, uh, Cronenberg would have been a good director or a good choice for a director for like the trans metropolitan TV show, because a lot of that integration with like technology and biology and stuff like that is, is very heavy, heavily present in that series Mm -hmm. and that franchise. There are people who uh, are using alien DNA to be part alien and part human. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're kind of like the new, minority you know what i mean and people hate them and shit like that and they you know there's a lot of politics in there too but you know it's a very technology heavy show or tv i say show but like it's like a series it's a series a comic book series that uh, warren ellis did yeah yeah 
So I don't know. It just it just kind of makes me think of that now, you know, because like how he said all that stuff, and very much so, Spider Jerusalem is like it's like he's like Hunter S. Thompson meets like you know. <laughs> He's just spastic, you know, like he's the anti-hero and shit like that. So I wonder if he would, I don't know, it'd probably be too slow. And that show, and that TV, or I keep saying TV series. I don't know why. I wish they would make that a fucking TV series. Transmetropolitan would be fucking awesome right now. Like, I feel like it would be perfect right now. Wasn't like cyberpunk, like kind of. It is cyberpunky. Yeah, yeah it's it very much so. Like they have like technology where they can like, you know, you can use a machine to fabricate anything that you want. And it's so shitty. Tech- like a 3D printer. Right. Like a 3D <laughs> printer, but it's lasers, you know. They they make stuff like 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 you would on the the Star Trek deck or whatever, right? You know? Synthetic whatevers. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I liked the movie, but I just didn't love the movie. Mm-hmm. You hated it. Did it change your mind at all? So uh, no, <laughs> no. Sorry. It's just a movie. Yeah, a movie exactly. he wanted to make and just didn't resonate with you. Nope. So, okay. But well, men did. Men definitely did for me, too. Yep. More. More than this. Way more. But I like some of the thoughts in it, and I just like delving into Cronenberg. So that's probably why I'm higher yeah, exactly. on the score a little bit. But I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just not going to be for a lot of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, very specific group there. Right. But, yeah, guys. So thank you guys so much for coming by this week. We, we hope you enjoyed that discussion and bickering of uh, going back and forth, trying to smash our ideas together with Christina for smish, some reason. Smish smash? I was taking a bash. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we're next week, we're going to be watching a couple of different type movies, not so heady. They're going to be Meatball Machine and... Tokyo Gore Police? That's correct. Okay. <laughs> both of them are on Tubi TV, so you can watch both of them. They're actually gifts from our friend who watches and listens to the show here named Ryan. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. And we'll be doing them next week. Mari says hi. Says thank hi you. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for coming by. And as always, long live the voice. <laughs>